book three chapter eleven of st francis of assisi a biography by Johannes jorensen translated by thomas o'connor sloan this librivox recording is in the public domain book three god singer chapter eleven elias of cortona and the final rule the cooperation of francis and ugoline on the rule of the friars minor seems to have gone on in the same way as their cooperation in the third order's rule st francis says mariano of florence said to the cardinal what the inspiration of the spirit told him and the cardinal wrote it down with his own hand and then added some things a tale preserved for us in the legenda antiqua gives a description of ugolin's influence and of the correction he introduced francis for instance wanted to put into the rule that if the ministers did not see to it that the brothers followed the rule literally and verbally then the brothers should be at liberty to follow the rule even against the desires of the ministers such a permission francis had among others once given to caesarius of speyer he alone or with others of the same mind had francis's permission to separate themselves from such of the brothers who might appear unfaithful to the rule and to be at liberty to follow it literally and without interpretation undoubtedly francis by this determination wanted to open a way of escape for the brothers who in the questions of knowledge and poverty did not want to go with the stream ugoline was opposed to such a permission as being the sure road to the splitting up and dissolving of the order but francis strongly advocated that the necessary permission should be embraced in the rule whereupon ugoline said i will arrange it so that the intent of the order shall not be changed but only the expression francis agreed to this but what eventually appeared in the rule is only a very weak replica of his thought in francis's drawing up it was permitted and even commanded absolutely in the name of obedience that the brothers should disobey their superiors as far as it was necessary for obeying the rule literaliter for the rule was above the minister and the oath of obedience was one of obedience to the rule not to the ministers in ugoline's version the very brothers in whom francis saw his real sons and to whom he had in the person of caesarius of speyer given his benediction became a sort of scrupulists whom the ministers were exhorted to speak to with consideration and to exert persuasion upon those who in the eyes of francis were the warriors of the good cause in ugoline's rule became patience in addition to ugoline brother elias had also a great influence as the vicar of the order on the final form of the rule we have proof of this in a letter which francis wrote to him in the winter of twelve twenty two to twelve twenty three elias had openly gone to francis with a complaint against some brothers and with pious wishes for their amendment francis answered quite out of his usual trend of thought i will tell thee my ideas as well as i can namely that thou regardest it as a blessing only both when the brothers and other men oppose thee 
thou must wish that it should be just so and not otherwise i know with certainty that in this there is true obedience and love those who are opposed to thee and wish nothing else for them than what the lord will give thee and herein show thou thy charity and thou shalt not wish them to be better christians and that shall be more for thee than to withdraw to a hermitage in the same deep spirit of charity that accepts everything from god's hand and will not even extricate itself from disagreeable surroundings or wish the betterment of one's fellow-men from the desire of effecting their improvement personally francis treats of another question which undoubtedly often came upon the stage with him and elias it is the question of what shall be done with the brothers who are fallen into sin elias who was so anxious to improve his neighbor was naturally in favor of strong measures it takes strong lie for a scurvy head is one of the merciless popular proverbs francis on the other hand writes as sure as thou lovest the lord and me his servant and thy servant see to it that no brother in the whole world let him have sinned as he may in any way is permitted to go from thee without forgiveness if he asks for it and if he does not ask for forgiveness then ask him if he does not want forgiveness and if he comes a thousand times even before thy eyes with sin then love him altogether more than thou lovest me that thou mayest draw him to the lord and be always merciful to such but of all the chapters there are in the rules and that treat of deadly sins we will with the help of the lord at the pentecost chapter together with the brethren make a chapter to this effect if any brother prompted by the evil enemy falls into deadly sin then he is obliged to reveal it to his guardian and all brothers who know that he has sinned must not put him to shame or attack him but must show him great mercy and keep their brother's sin very secret for the healthy need no physician only those who suffer illness likewise they are obliged to send him with a companion to the guardian custos and the guardian shall mercifully help him as he himself would want to be helped if he were in a similar case and if a brother falls into a venial sin then he shall make it known to one of the brothers who is a priest and if there is no priest he shall make it known to his brother until he can find a priest who can give him true absolution but no other penance shall be given him than this go forth and sin no more but that thou canst better comply with this letter so keep it with thee until easter then thou wilt be with thy brothers and then with the lord's help we will see that a treatment is provided for everything lacking in the rule few parts of francis's writings give a better insight into the unbounded mildness and patience of his disposition he was not one to extinguish the feeble flame or to break the bending branch if we examine the regulation adopted at the pentecost chapter of twelve twenty three alluded to by francis it almost frightens us to see how little remains of what he desired 
It runs thus, short and dry. If any brother, incited by the evil enemy, falls into mortal sin, and if this is one of the sins which only the minister of the province can absolve, he is obliged to go to his provincial minister immediately, and if the minister is a priest, he shall prescribe a penance for him and absolve him. But if he is not a priest, then he shall let another priest in the order give him a penance, as it seems to him most serviceable in the Lord. And the ministers ought to be on their guard that they are not angry or irritated over the sins of others, for anger and irritation are hindrances to Christian charity. This leads up to a correct canonical mode of procedure with some admonitions which belong elsewhere, but which were given a place here to appease Francis in some measure. And what has become of all of the deep evangelical charity of Francis's letter, the charity which face to face with the obdurate or perhaps defiant sinner is seized by innermost pity for his poor unfortunate soul and goes to him, falls on his neck and whispers in his ear, Brother dear, dear brother, wilt thou not pray for forgiveness? What is there left of the prescriptions in Francis's draft that no brother shall cast a stone at the sinner, that all shall keep silent about his fault and help him, as they themselves will sometime need to be helped, and that if it is only a venial sin, peccatum veniale, then shall nothing be said to him other than the word of Jesus to the sinful woman, Go and sin no more. It often happened to Francis that what he had written about was erased or changed beyond all recognition. Thus the great reverence he had for the sacrament of the altar caused him to ordain that if the brothers ever found a piece of paper on which the words of consecration of the Mass or even the word God or Lord was written, lying in an inappropriate place, they should reverentially take up the paper and preserve it with reverence. This unceasing fine character of reverence that could not bear to see holy words in wrong places, the leaders of the brotherhood did not openly entrust to the brothers. The reason given to Francis was that it would be difficult for them to observe such a command. To him it was almost a real sorrow of the soul that the word of the gospel, which had once had so great an effect upon him and his first friends, the words which had spoken to him in the mass of St. Matthew at Portioncola, and which he had afterwards found in the scripture with Bernard of Quintavalle, that the words, take nothing for your journey, neither staff nor script nor bread nor money, were not to be allowed to stand in the rule he was finally to give the brethren. This was mercilessly omitted, and in spite of all Francis's humility, this was very hard for him to endure. The line drawn through these words of the gospel went like a sting through Francis's heart, Yes, he felt as if all that he had lived for, and for whose carrying into practice he had devoted his life, was now pronounced a cobweb of the brain, and an exaggerated theory, and by those who should stand closest to him, and should be the ones 
to carry out his work from this time to the end francis was as his truest friend leo has put it a man deathly sick and marked for death erat prope mortem et graviter infirmabatur as in a great picture the later legends have preserved the memories of the entire strife between francis and his opponents francis thus we are told in the speculum perfectionis and by conrad of ophida had betaken himself to the hermitage of fonte colombo in rieti there to give the last touches to the rule of the order with fasting and prayer and he had chosen brother leo and brother bonisio as his companions and francis was in a cave in the mountainside a stone's throw from the others and what the lord revealed to him in prayer that he told them and brother bonisio dictated and brother leo wrote it happened that there was a great commotion among all the brothers in italy because francis was writing a new rule and the one minister excited the next and all who were in italy went to brother elias who was then vicar and said to him we have heard that brother francis is writing a new rule and we are afraid that it is too hard to be followed for he is very strict with himself and could easily command things we cannot observe say this to him therefore before it is ratified by the pope then elias answered that he would not go alone to francis and they went together and they came near to the place and brother elias called out the lord be praised then francis came out and saw them and asked brother elias what do these brothers want have i not said that no one was to come here brother elias answered it is all the ministers in italy who have heard that thou writest a new rule and now they say that thou shalt write it so that they can obey it for if thou dost not do this they will not bind themselves by it and so thou canst write it for thyself and not for them and saint francis lifted up his voice and cried out o lord answer thou for me and then all heard the voice of christ in the air which said francis there is nothing in the rule of thine but it is all mine whatever it is and i wish that the rule shall be literally obeyed literally without interpretation without interpretation without interpretation and whosoever will not obey it may leave the order then saint francis turned to the brothers and said to them have you heard that have you heard that or shall it be said once more to you but the ministers went away terrified this relation which is also found in ubertino of casale is evidently not intended to refer to the rule ratified by the pope in twelve twenty three i reached this conclusion at the time nineteen o three i wrote about fonte colombo in my pilgrim's bogan the pilgrim's book and i argued hotly with paul sabatier in its introduction the rule to which the above relation refers and which christ in apparition approved is quite clearly an earlier rule that namely of which bonaventure speaks in his biography saying that brother elias received it from francis 
and soon after said that he had lost it it was after this that at a new residence at monte colombo the rule was produced which honorius the third approved on november twenty ninth twelve twenty three and which francis wrote because he feared to irritate the brothers and did not wish to contend with them but with better knowledge he acceded to them and excused himself before god and as for the word of the lord which it was given to him to announce that it might not remain without fruit so would he live after it himself and therein he found at last rest and comforted himself therewith the above is not to be understood as if the rule approved by rome was quite lacking in the franciscan imprint on the contrary if we knew no other and had no suspicions of the changes it has undergone it would never occur to us that it was not the rule written by francis's own hand in it we find the essential maxims characteristic of st francis first and foremost in the very prologue the obligation to live after the gospel in obedience poverty and chastity and here and there in the twelve chapters of which the rule in accordance with francis's reverence for the twelve apostles consists are found a whole series of real franciscan principles thus we may cite the absolute prohibition to accept money and to own nothing the command to work without shame to ask for alms to wear simple clothes which it is allowed to patch with sackcloth and other rags without the brothers in the pride of poverty daring to condemn those who dress in fine clothing and live in luxury and happiness as the brothers wander through the world they should be mild peaceful modest humble friendly to all they shall not contend among themselves and shall judge no one when they enter a house their greeting shall be pox huic domui peace be to this house and what is put before them in accordance with the gospel they have permission to eat the brothers must not preach if the bishop of the place is opposed to it they must not enter a nun's convent those who are priests shall say their office after the custom of the roman church but lay brothers shall say the pater noster those who cannot read shall preferably not try to learn to do so but they shall recollect that what they before all came here for is to refrain from all pride all vanity all envy all slander and complaining all covetousness and all the troubles of the world to have the spirit of the lord and do god's work always to pray to him out of a pure heart and preserve humility and patience in persecutions and sickness and to love them who hate us and torment us and sue us for the lord says love your enemies and pray for them who persecute you and slander you blessed are you who suffer persecution for justice sake for yours is the kingdom of heaven and he who endureth to the end shall be saved thus in spite of all even to-day in the rules of the friars minor there burns a flame of the holy fire francis came to the world to kindle and down through time the best and noblest among the franciscans 
have devoted their lives to keeping this flame pure sine glossa sine glossa these words of christ to brother elias at fonte colombo were their war cry without interpretation without change they wished to live after the law which for them was the book of life the hope of salvation the seed of the gospel the way of the cross the state of perfection the key of paradise a first taste and an aspiration after the eternal life down through the centuries one form after the other is to be seen in whom francis seems to have again come to life john of parma hubert of casale peter john olivi angelo clareno gentile of spoleto paolo trinci saint bernardine of siena matteo da basci stefano molina again and again crowds of barefoot brothers gather around these men who in their coarse brown robes with rope around their waists go to the old hermitages where francis and his first brothers prayed and where they can chant the old half-forgotten chapters of the rule as if it were a new and unheard song telling them to wander through the world as pilgrims and as strangers without other possessions here upon earth than the inalienable treasure of the most exalted poverty there is a tone of portiuncula and rivo torto that over and over again exerts its great power and like the swiss sentinel who on strasbourg's rampart heard the kuraigen of his childhood's days sung across the rhine the friars minor cast all things away which might hinder them in swimming over the rapid stream to their fatherland and home end of book 3 chapter 11